This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Khaliq al-wujudi min al-adam. Aja'il al-nuri min al-zulam. Famukhj al-sabri min al-alam. Famulqi al-tawbati ala al-nadam. Fanashkuruhu ala al-masaibi kama nashkuruhu ala al-ni'am. ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم العجم الحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهته الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وإن طائفتان من المؤمنين اقتتلوا فأصلحوا بينهما فإن بغت إحداهما على الأخرى فقاتلوا التي تبغي حتى تفيء إلى أمر الله فإن فاءت فأصلحوا بينهما بالعدل وأقسطوا إن الله يحب المقسطين اللهم اجعلنا من المقسطين إنما المؤمنون إخوة فأصلحوا بين أخويكم واتقوا الله لعلكم ترحمون اللهم اجعلنا من المتقين رب الشحل الصدر ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين I'm continuing last week's khutbah today uh, and last week I tried to contextualize the placement of the ayah and its connection to what has been said before it in Surah Al-Hujurat, that's the 49th Surah of the Qur'an, and the ayah that I wanted to discuss with you is the ninth one, where Allah talks about the scenario in which two groups of Muslims are fighting against each other. And one last thing that I wanted to highlight before we touch on this ayah uh, is that Allah Azza wa Jal right before it says, However, Allah has made faith something beautified or beloved to you. And He beautified it in your hearts. So let's think about that for a moment. Allah is saying that our belief in Allah isn't just something that we carry as a burden or we carry as a responsibility. You know, sometimes you find out the truth, but it's not pleasant, right? But in fact, the belief that we've come to acquire in Allah, in His Messenger, in the revelation, in judgment day, the, the knowledge of what is to come, all of that knowledge is actually something we love. Like the fact that we know now is, you know how sometimes you learn something, you say, I wish I never knew. This is not one of those things. Allah has made a love for this knowledge inside of our hearts. And if a person doesn't feel a love for that, 
then actually something is missing in their iman. So he says himself, Allah is taking it, taking credit for making this something that we find love for in our hearts, this faith of ours, these beliefs. And then he says, وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ And he made it beautiful inside your hearts. So not only did he make it something we love, he also made it something that's beautiful. And that's also an interesting contrast because sometimes you can love something, but it's still painful love. You know, we're currently studying Surah Yusuf and Yahub loves his sons, but it's a painful love, right? So love isn't always easy. Loving your children, the children may be a source of pain for you, but you still love them. So love isn't always an easy thing. But here, when it comes to Iman, our faith, Allah is saying not only did he make you love it and put love for it inside of your hearts, but he made it something beautiful to you. So you're, in a sense, you're in awe of your faith. You're, you're mesmerized by its power and its beauty. And you're constantly, this is something you cherish. Like when, when we love someone, we want to protect them. When we love someone, we think about them all the time. When we love someone, we consider what they would feel before we do something. These are the qualities of loving someone. You know, when something is beautiful in our hearts, then it takes up our imagination. It takes up our free time. We long to see it over and over again and experience it over and over again. That's when something is beautiful in our hearts. And so when Allah says this about our iman, then he is describing our spiritual condition inside of ourselves as something that we long to, to feed over and over again. But then you know how there's an axiom in Arabic and there's an equivalent in English. By opposites, things are known. Right? So, okay, so he made... Faith beautiful to you and something beloved to you in your hearts. That's what he says. But how do you know that's the case? Well, by the opposite. Things are known by, by opposites. Things are known. How do you know that Allah has made faith truly beautiful to you in your heart? Well, because at the same time that you fall in love with something, it is at the same time that you begin to develop a hatred for something else. And so what does he say? He installed or instilled a hatred in you, a disgust in you for three things. So loving iman necessarily means three things become some things we hate. And we develop a hatred for them inside of our hearts. And Allah says that he inspired that hate inside of us, or he compelled us to have that hatred deep inside of our hearts. Now what are those three things? Al-Kufr, rejection, rejection of the truth, rejection of Allah, rejection of His Messenger, rejection of the book, denial, disbelief. That's the first thing we absolutely hate. Wal-Fusuq, and corruption. Corruption meaning you have you know, a, a desire to disobey or to violate or to manipulate the law of Allah. And then that, law, it, that, that corruption comes out to the point where it affects you and it starts affecting other people too. Allah makes corruption something disgusting to us because our faith is beautiful to us. Like just because it's beautiful to you, some other things become not okay for you. You just develop a high intolerance for them. Al-Kufr, Al-Fusuq. And finally he says Al-Isyan and disobedience. Any thought of disobeying Allah, any thought of disobeying His Messenger وسلم, is something you find disgusting. Something you can you just absolutely hate. Now it's really incredible to me that this is the ayah right before and after, by the way, this Allah says, Fadla min Allah This is a great favor from Allah and a blessing from Allah that you have this love and you have this hate. Yeah? And right after that, he says that if two group of believers fight each other, so on and so on and so forth. Now what, what's the connection? Well, the connection is this: believers 
are actually at the end of the day connected to each other, not by blood, not by tribe, not by you know social obligation. They're connected to each other because they have the same love, iman. So the scenario in which we're fighting each other is already a problem because our iman is compelling us to love the one that we love that has the same love as we do. They love the same things and they hate, they're supposed to hate the same things. But the other more even more powerful thing here about believers fighting each other is no matter how much you hate somebody for what they did, because Muslims do some pretty messed up things. And we do messed up things to each other. And even if you have, and you have somebody in your life that you absolutely despise, this, regardless of the fact that they're Muslim, that's not even part of the equation. They just, they just did some really disgusting, despicable things to you. No matter how much you hate them or hate what they did, your hatred of kufr, your hatred of corruption, and your hatred of disobeying Allah and His Messenger is greater. So, and no matter how much you would love, you know, something, your love of Allah and your love of His Messenger is greater. So why is that important? Because when conflicts happen, the, the hatred and the animosity and the desire to get back at someone or retribution can be blinding. I just want payback. I want them to suffer. I'm going to fight back. The desire for vengeance or the desire youth or someone thinks that they're standing up for themselves. And in that, in that desire, they may end up disobeying Allah. They may end up disobeying His Messenger. They may end up doing things that are in complete denial of what Allah has said. Even acts of kufr. Why? Because they are so blinded by their, their hatred and their spite. And so before Allah talks about, because fighting doesn't happen because you like somebody. Fighting happens when you can't stand somebody. That's when that happens. But before you talk about love and hate, Allah says, well, let me tell you one thing that you're supposed to love inside you and supposed to hate inside you to begin with. And that love and that hate is greater than anything else. All the other feelings you feel towards someone else, this cannot be violated. This is one thing you cannot cross. And that's a pretty important principle because that's where the devil gets us. That's where shaitan comes. Because when you are so adamant about fighting somebody or you're aggressive to, or they're aggressive towards you and you're back aggressive towards them, then either one of you can easily just forget what Allah has to say. Just forget what the Prophet would have done in this situation. Or forget what the Quran has to say about this. You forget, you can leave that aside. You know, it doesn't matter. Because right now, I just need to get even. And so the desire for retribution can actually override one's iman. And this is Allah's way of teaching us. That just means that your own feelings are more powerful inside your heart than the faith Allah put inside you. So who's the God then inside? Who, who's the God that reigns supreme inside the heart that we, we surrender? That's a scary question, but that's implied inside of the text. So now we come to this ayah. Uh, about the two groups of believers fighting each other. And there's lots of observations inside. It's just a, such a beautiful, profound ayah of the Qur'an. Let's start with وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ If two groups from among believers fight each other. So Allah didn't say if two groups of Muslims fight each other. He said two groups of believers, mu'minin, fight each other. Uh, and it, actually a literal translation of iqtatalu can also be fight themselves, which we'll dig into a little bit later. But for now, let's think about that. What's the difference between saying Muslims are fighting each other or believers are fighting each other? Well, you see, when you fight someone and you're a Muslim and they're a Muslim, whether it's a family feud or a tribal feud or a national feud, whatever it is, then you're the believers 
and they're the they're the munafiqun. Or you're the ones on Islam, they're the ones that have left Islam. You're the ones that are on the haq, they're the ones that are on the batil. You're on the right, they're on the wrong. All the ayat and hadith and all the, the admonitions that talk about standing up for justice apply to you. And everything Allah says about injustice and oppression and all that applies to them. And exactly the same is happening on that side. Imagine in a scenario when Muslims are fighting each other even on a battlefield and that's happened and even happens today. They're both praying. They're both calling on the same Allah. They're both reciting the same Quran and then going at it against each other. And one believes that they are more of a believer than they, the other is. Or they have to convince themselves that they're not really true believers, which is why fighting them in this way or being ruthless against them is justifiable because they're not really believers, you see. And what does Allah do here? He says when two groups of believers and iman is something... Faith is inside the heart. Islam is on the outside. So let's talk about that. When, when I declare that I'm a Muslim, or I speak to you and my appearance, the, the things that I'm saying, you know, they automatically declare that I am a member of this ummah. I'm a believer in Allah. I'm a believer in the Prophet Muhammad I'm a believer in the Quran. And that's telling you something about my Islam. Now you and I are on equal footing in, in this life because we're both Muslims. That's why we stand in one row in the prayer. It's not like if you memorize more Quran, you get the first row. It's not like if you know Arabic, you get, the, you get to be in the first row. It's not like that. It's not an age categorization. It's not a class categorization. It's not a knowledge categorization. If you've taken Shahada and you first come, first serve, it's equal lines. And these lines in the prayer are a representation of what Muslims believe about each other. We're all equal before Allah because we're all Muslim. That's it. There's no superiority once we accept Islam. There's no hierarchy, none, zero. You know, a new Muslim and someone who's been Muslim for 50 years are equal. The only thing that can make them better than each other is taqwa. And taqwa is something you and I cannot measure. Because taqwa hahuna, the Prophet taqwa is inside here. So it's impossible for a human being to gauge if someone else has taqwa or not. We can barely tell if we have it. <laughs> How are we going to tell about somebody else? So the point is, when, Muslim, when Allah uses the word Muslim, and it's specifically in this surah, it's talking about the fact that we consider each other Muslim, the outside. But when he says believer, mu'min, that's the description of someone's heart, someone who carries faith inside of their heart. It's very easy to understand. Muslim literally means someone who surrenders, right? And surrender is an outward act. Surrender is you surrender yourself in prayer. You surrender yourself by fasting. You surrender yourself by giving zakat. These are acts, visible acts of surrender. Anybody can observe them. So your Islam is actually visible. But your iman is invisible. Even your tongue, me, me speaking right now, is something that you can observe, you can, you can listen to, you can judge. But you can't tell whether that's coming sincerely from my heart or not. That's only for Allah to know. That's something I know and Allah knows. Which is why the hypocrites are such a, a challenge, right? Because we... Only Allah knows what's going on inside of their hearts. When describing groups of Muslims fighting each other, Allah chose to say believers because the first thing Allah wants us to internalize is it doesn't matter what side of the fight you're on, you don't get to judge the state of your opponent's faith. That's for Allah to know. They're believers. They're, and you don't know, and this is not a question of they're not true believers, that's why they're fighting you. Or they don't get to say about you, you're not a true believer, that's why you're fighting me. Fights happen, shaitan creates discord and animosity between people. Even fights happen between Muhajirun and Ansar sometimes. While the Prophet ﷺ was still alive. I mean, this, this happened. It's a reality. Human beings can get annoyed with each other. 
Human beings can get on each other's nerves. Human beings can have other baggage. Just because we're Muslim doesn't mean that we don't have baggage. Doesn't mean that we don't, we can't, I can end up like getting agitated by somebody or I don't like somebody or I don't like what they did. That can happen. That's why Muslim, the Muslim world also has courts and lawsuits and criminal trials, etc. This is a reality. This is a human reality. So the first thing to acknowledge is that this is not a justification to label somebody else's iman. And iqtidar then, it's a strange word. Because, you know, they fight each other. Is one explanation of iqtidar. But it's strangely, the word can also mean to fight oneself. And you know how the Prophet ﷺ described that the ummah is like a single body? When one part of it hurts, all of it hurts, right? And in that sense, when a Muslim is fighting another Muslim, Technically, they're fighting themselves because they're fighting their own body. They're actually at war within themselves. It's a tragedy. It's never a good thing. And this is important to recognize because sometimes we take sides when people are fighting each other and we celebrate a victory against somebody else. We're like, oh, he got him good or she got her good. Or they, those guys got them good. And we're like happy that this group, sometimes it's a religious thing, this this uh, religious group versus that religious group. This school of thought versus that school of thought. This speaker versus that speaker. This debate versus that debate. And people are watching like it's a show. And when one stumps the other, humiliates the other, everybody's like, yeah, man, that was all, oh, man, that was awesome. The way he owned him was awesome. Why is this awesome? This is not a person who believes in Allah and his messenger. This is a tragedy. Like, this should not be happening. But this, just like anything else, you know, in, in the social media world, you have celebrity feuds, right? You have uh, you know pay-per-view fights that people are looking forward to where people are going to bloody each other and bludgeon each other, right, for the entertainment of the masses. Or you have people that are make, taking shots at each other in politics and in music industry or entertainment industry. And we brought that same jahala, that same ignorance into the Muslim scene. And now it's sheikh this versus sheikh that or speaker this versus speaker that. And there's like... Spit, spit matches against this institution versus that institution, this school of thought versus that school of thought. And you know what else? It's, it was bad enough that people that are alive are being pit against each other and, and, and thrown into these, these pit bull fights. But now they're, they'll even quote people that died a long time ago that served Allah's deen and did whatever sincere service in their, in, in their sincerity to Allah they provided enormous scholarship to this ummah and they, they would not have had any animosity towards each other but this one is pitting that one against the other one <laughs> and quoting each other at them as if they were they're on opposite sides of a boxing ring and they're celebrating it like this is some kind of a thing to win this is a win for someone inside the word iqtatalu already is an acknowledgement that believers should not be endorsing this anyway it's a tragedy how can you have an injury in one leg, right? And it's causing you pain and you take a knife and stab it and the rest of your body goes, yeah, got it good. <laughs> it doesn't make any, it's part of you. It's your body. And if there is someone who's relentless that just wants to fight you or be ignorant towards you, what does Allah even say? Is it better for you to fight someone or just leave them alone? Just walk away. Just ignore them. 
there's one thing that you have you have a right to defend yourself. But if someone just continues to want to be ignorant, then the smart thing for you to do is just leave them alone. Why why entangle yourself in something that won't give any good? You have to really assess that situation for yourself, I for myself. So what does Allah say? In order to understand the rest of this ayah, what I really want to impress upon you is um, I'm going to try to present this to you as if it's a math problem. And I think it'll make it easier for you to grasp everything that's going on in this ayah. So we're going to say there's a scenario where there's three groups, okay? Not two, three groups. There's group A, there's group B, group B and then there's the rest of the Muslim community, C. And it could also be there's some people in the family that are on one side, they're A. There's people that are fighting them tooth and nail, they're B. They're at each other's throats. And then there's the rest of the family, and that's what? C. Right? So there's three parties. There's the neutral party. They're observing. They're watching this craziness go on. And there's A and B that are at each other's throats. Right? Now, what does Allah say? He didn't talk to A first. He didn't talk to B first. He talked to who first? C. He says, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اَقْتَتَرُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا Then make reconciliation between them. Make things right between them. Get rid of corruption from between them. Sulh in Arabic actually means to make something right. To make something healthy. To make something whole. To nourish something. Islah is the removal of harmful elements. Literally. Reform is a good word for it. Reconcile is a good word for it. What's Allah saying? If you're an observer of two groups fighting each other, then Allah put the responsibility not on A and B yet. He put it on the observer. You should do everything you can to suppress this conflict. You need to try to make things better. Unfortunately, A and B may not have had a big problem with each other. But you know what happens? When somebody finds out that A and B have a little bit of a problem with each other, then they go to social media and they multiply it by 10 million. And then the rest of us see, make that problem into much bigger than it originally was. So instead of doing what Allah said, which is to downplay and reform and fix the conflict, what do we do? We escalate the conflict and turn it into a war. We turn it into a media war. We turn, and this literally happened even in the time of Sahaba. There were two people who had an argument, one from Muhajirun, one from Ansar. And the conflict would have been small, but one called the rest of the Muhajirun, one called the rest of the Ansar, and it became a tribal thing in the, in the matter of split seconds. And then the rest of them are passing opinions. And then there's the rest of them who say, ah, oh, these people are always fighting each other. I hate all of them. <laughs> you know, This is you making reform? What happened to the teaching of this? This is a long ayah. This is just the first phrase. This is just the first phrase. So well, how can you and I... Not as the because you know when we talk often about the ayat of the Quran, it's easy to lament oh that the ummah is not doing what it's supposed to. We are not doing what we're supposed to. And when we say we and ummah and we use big words like that or the Muslim world, then what's in psychology they call it the diffusion of responsibility, meaning oh we're just messed up. What can we do? And when you, and everybody hears we, they're thinking of everybody else except themselves, right? So. I don't want to make this khutbah about we and what a problem we have because it's too abstract and that feels like we can never solve it because we're all just messed up. No, what can I as an individual, you as an individual watching this, what can you do? What can I do? Well, what first thing we can do is not be trolls to fan the flames of conflict in any conflict, especially when it's between Muslims. It, you should not be going to hear one side and say, you know what else they said about you? 
You know what else I heard? They said you're you fan the the the, the coal is dying out, is burning out. You're like, no, let me put some more oxygen in here. Let me heat this up. And when it heats up, they say something, then you go and relay it to the other side. You know what? I just talked to them, and you know what they said, and you want to pump this up too. <laughs> this is this is no good. What the Prophet says is a believer, if either they should have something good to say, or they should just be quiet. And, okay, if you can't make this better, at least don't join, don't become one of the, you know, like in a forest fire, don't become one of the other extra leaves or twigs that's also, in, you know, adding the fuel to the fire. Don't become fuel for that fire. At least don't do that. So let's, first, the first principle in medicine they say is do no harm. Before they teach you how to do surgery and where to cut, they teach you all the places where you shouldn't cut, right? So before you say, what can I do? Let's first start with what you shouldn't do. How about we don't flood you know, whatever thoughts, impulses come in our head and ideas come in our mind. We just put them on, you know, we just write them out and, and add flames. Because in, in this world now, expressing ignorance has become so easy. And it, it doesn't come with any consequences. And we think it's no big deal. You think it's no big deal. It's a massive deal before Allah that something comes out of your mouth. And now it's even worse. It's not even out of your mouth. If, if you said something ridiculous out of your mouth, somebody heard it. Maybe they forgot it. It's done. But now you post it. And somebody can read it five years later. And it's still being added against you. It's still being counted again, a new, a new sin over again. Because you put it on permanent record as a comment somewhere against somebody. You know, and then somebody else went further in their ignorance against you or in favor of you. So first things first, let's just come back to the original principles of our deen. Let's either say good things or not say anything at all. Let's be purposeful in everything we do. It's wisdom in the Quran. Have purpose where you walk and lower your voice. What does that mean? Because when you walk, you have a direction. Direction means you have a purpose in any activity you're engaged in. When you walk over to something. And when you're, when you're doing that, then the things you talk about have to do with that purpose. Don't engage in purposeless conversation. It creates unnecessary conflict. Don't do it. And don't consume it either. You consuming it is also part of the problem. You being a silent consumer. Me being a silent consumer of a battle that's taking place is also a problem. Because when two people are battling and they're making YouTube videos against each other or they're making posts against each other and you're going and viewing and saying, man, what a tragedy. This is so pathetic. Look at this. And then you share it with 20 of your friends and they all say, what a tragedy. This is so pathetic. It's so sad. Well, now that used to have 100 views, now it has 10,000 views and 100,000 views, which means then you say, man, so many people have viewed this as such a tragedy. You hear the irony in this? You made this famous. You turn this spark into a forest fire, and then you say, what a tragedy, so many people have seen this. This is so shameful. You're the advertising for it. You're the consumer for it. Allah says in Quran, وَفِيكُمْ سَمَّعُونَ لَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِالظَّالِمِينَ Among you are audiences for, for those that spread wrong. And Allah knows all the wrongdoers. The ones that are trying to create chaos and the ones listening to them and enjoying the show. Or purposely listening. Purposelessly listening. What do you get out of it? What do I get out of it? Nothing. You know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, these conflicts that people are having, these meaningless conflicts that feel like such a big deal, oh, oh, these things, they're not going to mean anything in your life. They're not going to mean anything in my life. The only thing that will matter, matter is 
What good did we leave behind? What trees did we plant? What legacies did we leave behind? What good did we leave behind? People of argument and disagreement and insults will come and go and they will be erased from history. What, what are we going to leave behind? What's, what's going to matter in the end? So here, when he tells, he's, he didn't start with, oh, shame on the people that are fighting. No, he's, he starts with the people that are standing there watching. He starts with them. And he says, Make reform between them. Make reform between them means if you know them intimately well, if you know either side well, then go and talk to them and say, hey, what can we do to make this right? Can we just put, put an end to this? Can we just be brothers? Can we just figure this out? You intervene and make things right in any way that you can to end the ugliness. Because what does that do? Two people conflicting with each other can turn into two families conflicting with each other. Two scholars conflicting with each other can become two communities conflicting with each other. It's not two people that are arguing. It's a, like a virus, pun intended, that spreads. It's a disease that spreads. And it kills. It destroys. Now the good that somebody did is not going to go as far as it could have gone because it was undone by unnecessary conflict. The days, the, we only have so many days in this life. We have only so many hours that we're, Allah is giving us to stay awake, that our bodies can sustain. And we have the energy and the time, we have this blessing that Allah has given us that can be wasted on things like this. Think about that. But we should be the people that say, let's make things, and if you can, not in a shallow way, brother, be, you should be ashamed, you should, you should make reform. <laughs> Fake virtue is actually a vice. Artificial virtue is a vice. You commenting about, in your mind, you're doing, you know, Amr bil ma'roof, you're telling someone to do good, but you're telling them in a condescending, insulting way without knowing anything about them. And then you're adding in your two cents and dropping a, a you know, a Google search ayah from the Quran just to, you know, give them a reminder because you've spoken the haq. Nobody needs artificial virtue. That's not something you, you, you need to be engaged in. We're so invested in what people have to say. We're so worked up about it. Like if, you know, and I, I, most of the time, I'm not looking at comments or feeling the need to respond or whatever. But you know, one of the things you'll observe in comments, people are like, mashallah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Somebody will say, brother, this is a khutbah. Please don't make comments and just listen. <laughs> why are you bothered? And what? Just, you know, more than somebody writing, mashallah, somebody saying, mashallah, or alhamdulillah, you know, more than that, Allah just hears your dua anyway. Allah hears your dua anyway. Or, you know, somebody will write, this is a kafir, you know, people, doesn't matter who, me or anybody else, doesn't matter. Somebody feels the need to, you know, save the ummah, save Islam with their commentary. Like that's going to do something. But this, this, this needs to be a self-conscious thing for you and me ourselves. When do we engage? And is our engagement actually going to take us closer to reform and minimize? And the first thing we can do to minimize conflict is not pay attention to it, not feed it, not feed the frenzy. And if you are in a position where you can actually make peace between them, then you, you should feel obligated to do what your, your part. Hey, what can I do? فَأَصْلِحُ بَيْنَهُمَا this is something Allah put as an onus on us. And this is not just about social media. I mean, I sidetracked into social media. This is even about your family life. If there's a conflict in your family life. And you know, you know, uncle and aunt are 
conflicting with each other. Cousins are conflicting with you. Some some battle is taking place. You're just sitting back watching. I don't care. I hate them anyway. No. Then your job is to go in and say, we're family. This needs to come to an end. Let's let's figure figure something out. Let's arbitrate. You know, let's let's understand where the grievance is. Let's not make it into something else. How can we move on from this? This is necessary. This is this is an important thing that you must whether you succeed or not isn't even the point. That's not even the point. Allah didn't say you better succeed. And by the way, the, the rest of the eye is gonna be well, you, there's a scenario where you'll fail. And there's a scenario where you'll you'll succeed. It's actually describing the rest of the ayah is describing the worst case scenario, which inshallah we'll talk about next week. But I pray that Allah Azza wa makes us conscious about our own personal responsibility when it comes to our role in observing conflict and our role in potentially reducing conflict within believers. And may Allah Azza wa put love, mercy, care, forgiveness, and tolerance for believers in each other's hearts and truly make us of the kinds of people that Allah describes adhillatin ala al-mu'mineen humble before other believers may Allah azawajal grant us that kind of humility barakallahu li wa lakum fil qur'an al-hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-hakim alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladhi nastafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatamin nabiyin muhammadin al-ameen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا